Welcome to the School Business Leadership Podcast. Today is the second episode in our Able-Ed Roundtable series, and it is bumper-sized. We talk all things SBL well-being, including networking, diary and email management, planning ahead, and how to really look after yourself. Get a brew, a pad, and a pen, and settle in for some quiet reflection time, because we have a lot to talk about. Let's dive in. And on today's episode, I'm joined by Kemi Arugundade, Hisham Khan, and Sally Bowden. Kemi is a school business manager in a local authority primary school and has been in post for almost five years. Prior to that, she works in universities, undertaking roles including senior finance assistant, financial operations manager, and deputy head of income. She is also the chief operating officer at Able Ed and is passionate about promoting diversity within the profession. Hisham has over 20 years' experience across five local authorities as a school business leader. I was in the first cohort to successfully complete the CSBM and DSBM programs. As one of the few BAME SBLs in the profession, Hisham's career path has ranged from Chief Financial Officer in Academy Trusts to Chief Executive and Director of Learning of two school improvement companies. He's also an advisory panel member of AbleEd. Sally is currently a school business leader, but will soon be starting a new role as Chief Operating Officer and has worked in education for more than 20 years in a variety of school settings. She previously worked as a financial advisor, but made the move into education to make a difference. She has a variety of qualifications, including CSBM and ADSBM, and is currently studying the Level 7 Masters in Leadership and Management. Sally is also an advisory panel member of AbleEd and at SRMA. Today, we're going to be talking about all things SBL Wellbeing. Welcome, everybody. Hi. Hey, Norad. SBL Wellbeing, huge topic. So can we just kind of set the scene? What is SBL Wellbeing today, especially in light of the last... 12 to 18 months? Well, it's been a crazy, crazy, crazy last uh, 12 to 18 months, hasn't it? I think when I think about well-being, I think about uh, feeling good, feeling comfortable, feeling healthy, feeling happy. It's a combination of physical, mental, emotional factors. I think it's strongly linked with links to happiness and, and life satisfaction, really. It could be described as how you feel about yourself and your life. Every aspect of your life, I think, influences our state of well-being and there are particular mm. factors that you can enhance. For example, uh, regular exercise, having enough sleep, fun hobbies and leisure pursuits, and also having an enjoyable and fulfilling career. So when thinking about SBL well-being, I think, you know, we, we discussed it as a group and we sort of identified three areas or pillars um, and gave it the acronym POP. Hush came up with the idea. It's brilliant. Um, Hush, do you want to tell us a little bit more about these three pillars of well-being? Yeah, um, thank you, Kemi. I think when we when we came up with the acronym POP, we wanted to really sort of get under the skin of what true well-being is. And I think it's quite it's very hard to define what true well-being really means. And I think in order to really understand it, you, you've got to apply it to uh, and look at it in, within every single aspect of your life, as Kemi said before. Uh, and POP stands for uh, professional well-being, organisational well-being, and personal well-being. I think when we when we talk about well-being, it's very easy to sort of get sucked in just to the personal side of well-being. But I think when you sort of dig a bit deeper uh, and look at where well-being, uh, you know, can have the sort of most impact. You know, you have to look at it not 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 only within your personal 
sort of um, your personal well-being, but also within your professional workspace, but also your overall the overall organisation uh, within which you work in. And as school business leaders, we have such a you know we have a, such an opportunity to have a, a large impact on well-being for the organisations that we we work for. So POP is a very easy thing to remember. Again, professional, organisational, and personal. I totally agree. It's important to look through those different lenses, isn't it? Because I think sometimes you say the word well-being and it's used so much in so many different contexts, it kind of loses its meaning. Absolutely. So we're looking at professional well-being, organisational well-being and personal well-being. So let's start with professional well-being. What are we looking at in that area? So I think in this area, um, like we said at the top of the show, we've gone through 18 months of for some of us it's been hell on earth I think I think it's fair to mm. say um and we've we've really been tested as school business managers leaders whatever our titles are you know I think we've come to the forefront in a lot of people's minds and I think for us as professionals we need to look after ourselves um as we said in in three different ways but the professional well-being is how we can support ourselves I know it sounds crazy, but professionally and and how we can get that support around us and what others can do to support us. And we've come up with some different tools of how we think professional well-being, how how those tools can be used to bring about professional well-being and and look after ourselves from a professional Mm. point of view. So I'd like to go over to Kemi, who is going to talk about tool one. Thanks, Sally. So... Thinking about professional well-being, we identified, like Sally said, a few tools that, that could help with achieving that. Um, one tool is networking. The mm. benefits of networking, I think, cannot be underestimated. There are huge, huge benefits from it. I'm naturally an introvert, so networking isn't something that I found quite easy or natural to me initially. Um, but having joined uh, platforms like SPL Twitter, I was able to identify with so many other school business leaders out there going through similar issues or tackling similar issues um, that I was tackling in my role and I found just access to that so invaluable. I think it's so important not to suffer in silence and there's no such thing as a super question. Use your network to ask questions. You may be asking a question that somebody else also doesn't know the answer to. Somebody else does and you know not just yourself learning but others also who are seeing that question being asked are also able to access the, the, the knowledge there. So I think it's really important to reach out and find a friend in, in a peer or maybe consider mentoring or coaching. Um, and even mm. if we offer mentoring through our CEO, Cheryl Campbell, Laura, I know you also are a mentor and a coach for SPLs. And there are just mm. great resources out there. There's, a, I know on Twitter, there's a uh, Twitter handle SPL365 by Hilary Goldsmith. So many Twitter handles out there that uh, support school business leaders and uh, are rooting for us. And I think that, you know, by tapping into networks such as this, we can gain so much more in our roles and just knowing and understanding that actually we're not alone. There are people out there going through the same things as us, and tackling the same issues the same problems I use it all the time to ask questions I think it's absolutely brilliant it's interesting like you say about how people are asking questions and thinking they're the only ones that are are dealing with those things or may not know them I don't know if you heard on some of the previous podcasts a couple of people said that 
they've asked a question on Twitter and felt vulnerable. But when they've been able to answer other people's questions, it's really made them feel confident and part of the community. And it is powerful. That is a huge benefit, I think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember at the moment we are at my school, we're um, looking at admissions and the rules regarding admissions criteria. And, and it's an area that I'm still learning about. And I went to Twitter and asked a question about it. And it turned out that I wasn't the only one that was not in the know about it. And at, before I'd asked that question, I completely thought that actually maybe it might be a bit daft. Maybe I should know this as a small business leader. Mm. But, you know, it turned out that it, I wasn't the only one. So it's it's definitely worthwhile having a network of people that you can tap into when you're just not sure of things. It really does make a difference. I think it is a secret SBL superpower, isn't it? You know, we don't have to know everything, but we are very good at finding things out. Um, I think that is definitely something that SBLs do very well. Yeah, we're very resourceful. We need to be, aren't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so that was tool one, networking. What is tool two? So tool two is working from home. Uh, and just before I sort of delve into this area, I just want to sort of touch on something that uh, we just talked about, which is the benefits of networking. COVID has really sort of shown us how important networks are. And um, I think it's quite, sometimes it can be quite isolating, the job. But, you know, like Kimmy was saying, you know, business managers are, are quite resourceful. Uh, we're good at finding things out, looking and finding out the, the answers to, to things. But certainly working from home has, has made us probably rely more on those networks out there uh, and during this sort of pandemic over the last 12 months I know a lot of those networks have been so so important to our own sort of mental health uh, in sort of keeping things going but but also keeping other staff going as well during this really tough time uh, but but work from home does have many advantages and I think if COVID didn't happen uh, the probably change to home working would have taken longer but what it's done is it's accelerated home working and it's something which I think is here to stay. And certainly from my own perspective, I feel that having the uh, ability to homework has made me more productive uh, because I'm cutting out that commute every day. Sometimes I have a full hour commute, two hours to work, two hours back. So I've got that additional time I can put into work. We weren't sure what to sort of call this new type of working, whether it be called flexible or hybrid. But flexible, I'm aware, means something completely different. But I think hybrid working is probably the best sort of terminology we can call it now. And like I said, I know a lot of um, SBLs out there who are <clears throat> now part of this new sort of hybrid working collective where, you know, they, they're, they're, they can do several days in school and then maybe one or two days from home if they're lucky enough to have that that facility but the the other thing as well with hybrid working it allows you to sort of get more sort of confidential work done as well it's quite can be quite difficult sometimes doing confidential work in a school setting especially if it's around you know an HR business case or something like that or an appeal uh, and if you can do that at home in a sort of more of an isolated setting where you've got no um, no no distractions I think home working is ideal for those types of uh, scenarios. What would you say to anyone who struggled with working from home and mean that in motivating and organising yourself? Because sometimes I think, I know a couple of people who have said they found that difficult. 
Yeah, I think uh, I'd certainly say, Laura, that, you know, they're not alone. I mean, again, just through my own personal experience, I found it quite difficult to acclimatise to. And I think especially where you're used to being out in schools every single day, uh, you know, for mm. most of my career, I've been out in schools every single day. And it's only sort of since sort of COVID hit where this change in my working pattern has happened. I did find it incredibly difficult to start with. I, I certainly, I think the second lockdown I found more difficult. That was the one from January 21 to, to the end of February mm. 21, because I had my children at home as well, um, who are in secondary school. Uh, and I found that particularly difficult, balancing work and the needs of the kids and their their own sort of uh, online learning. Um, mm. but, it's, but I suppose it's a different type of organisation that you need. You do need to be disciplined. You know, there's no getting away from you can't go into the lounge and stick uh is it Richard and Judy I don't know if that's still on the tv or or uh Judge Judy that's it this morning I don't know who it is now. this morning <laughs> this morning see I'm so I'm so behind the times here it shows you how much I watch telly <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you do you do need that discipline uh and but I think you know it's it's a new skill as well to learn you know working from home it sounds glamorous but believe me it's uh it's not that the work doesn't go away you know, if anything, there's, there's probably more. But certainly from a productivity point of view, I, you know, I myself, I, I feel that I get more more done at home. So, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Kemi, Sally, what about you? Are you guys finding it easy at working at home? I, I personally do find it better working at home for the, for the pure concentration aspect because mm. everybody who works in school and is a school business manager knows you might have worked as well put a revolving door on because it, it even if you shut it, it will very soon be open if you put do not disturb <laughs> on your door. I know it says do not disturb, not, 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 but have you just got a minute and you think, you know, can you just, have you just? So, it, you know, it's great to work at home because you're physically not in the building. Kemi, how do you find it? So I like I struggled a little bit at first in the first lockdown, which is strange because prior to the pandemic, I worked from home once a week. I worked from home every Tuesday and I used that as my finance day to get finance tasks done. And these are tasks that I know for me to be able to do them accurately um, and, and fully, I needed to have as uh, little interruption as possible. Um, so I used my work from home day to do things like bank rec and payroll rec and all the rest of it. Um, so it surprised me that I struggled at first, but then again, we were in the middle of a pandemic, so that probably had something to do mm-hmm. with it. But then I also find that it's quite, it really, having that day at home really is useful for getting things done um, productivity-wise. One of my struggles, though, was switching off at the end of the day and actually mm. having, a, a, you know, saying, that, look, this is a nine to five and at five, I'm going to stop, I'm going to close my laptop and I'm going to have some family time. And there were times when I did go over that five o'clock period because I had a deadline I needed to meet or there was a report that needed to be written that needed that extra hour. So I found a way of combating that by setting an alarm on my phone. So at five o'clock, I set a reminder on my phone every day that says go home or switch off. And um, (laughs) that really helped (laughs) not getting too carried away because sometimes I don't even look at the time and before you know it, the day's gone. I think like you say, it's about making those conscious choices. If you say, well, actually, I know I need to work an extra hour tonight because I've planned it and it's fine, but you just, you don't want to look up and think, oh, it's eight o'clock and no one's even eaten in the house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's really important to switch off and, and, and be strict with yourself in doing so. If the work will still be there tomorrow, 
you know, we've got a never-ending to-do list. So, you know, we should bear that in mind when it comes to making sure that we allocate and, and make sure that we switch off when it's time to do so, I think. Absolutely. I always say the first thing SPLs need to accept is the to-do list will never be done. But I think it's interesting, like Hasham said at the beginning, you know, the things that have accelerated and hopefully improved our working lives that we've learned through the pandemic. So hopefully we can keep on to those good things and, and use them to improve our well-being. Is there a tool three under professional well-being? Yeah, there definitely is a tool three. And I, I go as far as to say this is probably one of the most difficult tools to use. And I personally struggle with this, but it's called the power of saying no. And anybody who knows me will laugh now because I'm not very good at saying no. However, um, we are often taught that no is a negative word. And that if somebody says, can you do this? And you just turn around and say no, you know, that's that's not what we SBLs are all about, all about is it? We like to help people. We like to um, make sure that we are going that extra mile. But I think if you rephrase the word no and say, maybe not at the moment, I can't, but I can do it later or when do you really need it for? And I know that sounds simple and people people say this a lot, don't they, in time management courses and things like that. But it is quite powerful to do that because you know what you've got on that day. You know what you've got to get through that day, that week, that term, that month, whatever it may be. And you know when you can really fit something in. So I think it, it takes courage to say no or not the word no not at the moment or I can get it to you by Friday or yeah I've got some time to do that for you next Tuesday as we come on to Mm. more tools later on you know it it will become clear why I'm saying that but I think you know saying no is really really difficult but it's about protecting yourself and keeping you focused on your goals Um, and by saying next Tuesday, Friday, tomorrow. Yeah, fine. I can do it if you think you've got a minute, which no SBL ever says. Yeah, of course I've got a minute. I'm doing nothing. (laughs) Um, You know, protecting yourself and having the strength to change your pattern of working rather than letting everybody dump stuff on you because you are the person, let's face it, in any school, the busiest person always gets things done. But, Mm. you know, you need to change that because, Personally, I'll tell you a personal story. Um, a few months ago, um, I went through a very dark time in a very bad place. And if I remember rightly, I actually had a bit of a meltdown on the one of the very early SVLT breaks where things were just getting too much. And I had got so much on my plate that I couldn't see the wood for the trees. And it ended up with me having been signed off from work for two weeks by the doctor. She took control and that was that. And that was because I was carrying the load of other people or taking responsibility for jobs that weren't mine, but knowing that they needed to be done and needed to get done, but I couldn't get people to do them. So the frustration was there all the time and the frustration of, well, why is this not done? And if that's not done, that won't be done. And the knock-on effect, and, and I was taking all of this on and and really, then my own work was suffering underneath it all because I was that busy focused on everything else and everybody else. I wasn't thinking about me. And, you know, that's mm. that's what we're talking about here is we need to do something to take the pressure off ourselves and realizing that you cannot control everything. And as SBLs, I think we all have an element of control freak about us. But taking that pressure off yourself and thinking, OK, 
yes, I've made that person aware that needs doing, or I've passed that on to X, Y, and Z for them to get on with. And just because they may have not done it in time or the way I want it, that doesn't mean it won't be done eventually. And taking control of what is ours and what we own and what we can control is better than trying to control everything because it's just not feasible. By saying no, you also give yourself a bit of breathing space. So if you go into work and you know that you've got 15 things on your job list that day and you need to at least achieve three or four of them, by putting another five people's work on top of that, it's just never achievable. And by doing Mm. that, you're knocking yourself back all the time. You're making yourself feel like you're not achieving all the time. And we are achieving. We are achieving all the time, every day, even if we're going to work and drive home thinking, Jesus, got nothing done today. You you have, it's just nothing that's on that job list. And that yeah. could be because you're doing so many things for other people. And if, like me, you did have that time where you was in a bit of a dark place and you needed to come back, I think returning to work and negotiating a phased return to work is crucial for that. And don't just jump with both feet in and go straight back into what you were doing before because you're not helping you, you're not helping your family and you're not helping those around you and you're definitely not helping work. You need to realise what you are, what your limitations are and what you can do. So easing yourself back in, I would say, is is a massive part of, of the power of saying no, really. It's interesting what you said there, Sally, as well, because it's about saying no and having an awareness of where your job starts and ends because like you say you can take responsibility can't you for what everybody else isn't doing and thinking well I'll just do that because it will be easier or well you know I've I've got a couple of minutes it'll just be easier then I don't have to worry about it and before you know what you're doing everybody else's job yeah and I always say it's try it's a perspective isn't it this is my job I have a duty to do x y and z I can tell my leadership team and my head teacher I can inform them but at some point, I have to leave it with them. They'll either do it, they won't do it, they'll make the decision or they won't, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. But I have done my job and we have to draw the line somewhere. And Absolutely. I think it's there. Yeah, definitely. And once you've once you've shared that information, you know, and and given yourself permission to accept the mm-hmm. fact that you've you've gone so far, you've gone as far as you possibly can with it, and now it is mm-hmm. in somebody else's hands. Your line, your line's drawn. You've drawn that line in the sands and you're not going to cross that. And I think it's vitally important that we remember that as people, as, as you know, anybody who works in education, anybody who works anywhere, you know, you, you can only go so far and torturing yourself about whether people have done what you've asked them to do that, you know, uh, that, that that's no good to anybody, is it? Because all you're doing is, no. is really making yourself poorly like you say it gives you permission to take that step back to draw that line to say no and to reinforce those boundaries around you I think and that's not about that's not my job it's about having that self-awareness to say I have done what is needed to be done in fact I've probably done more than enough now it's someone else's turn to pick up the baton and and take it and, and do whatever needs to be done absolutely and I think some of the tools that I'm really excited about coming up later on in 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 the chat that we're having today you know, will really, really help you to reinforce that and help you to understand how, because there might be people listening to this saying, oh, yeah, that's all right, you know, yeah, it's all right you saying no, but you don't know what what will happen if I do or whatever. I think yeah. some of the tools coming up will will give you, give, give you, like I say, the tools to be able to 
empower you to say, I can, but not at the moment, or, or yeah. courage to say no. Hasham, Kemi, how are you at saying no? Are you good at it? Are you not so good at it? Um, I think uh, it comes with experience, doesn't it? Uh, I remember when you know I first started off my career as a, as a, as a business manager, I was quite frightened to say no to a lot of people. But now, mm-hmm. uh, as Sally said, it's how you... It's, it's it's probably not about so much about saying that. It's how you say it and what you say. You can say no mm-hmm. in, in lots of different words, which sort of pacify the, the the answer a bit more. But I think, you know, I admire Sally for being, you know, really honest and frank about you know, mental health, because that's something we, we don't talk enough about. And it is, uh, it's, you know, it's, being able to say no is, 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 there's a reason for that. And that's, you know, is to protect yourself as well. We've really got to look to after our own mental health. And, you know, we're all under a lot of pressure as business leaders. I think the, the pandemic has, has brought mental health to the forefront massively. And it's, you know, it's up there now with, you know, you know, uh, you know, curriculum, learning, mental health and well-being. It's what, you know, it's one of the sort of hot three topics. And I noticed in the, I think the Times Evan Schools Week, this week, there's a lot of you talk about mental health and, you know, funding initiatives. I think that will kick in sort of later on in the uh, autumn term to support mental health mm-hmm. leads within schools. Yeah, very important. I know we're going to talk about that, aren't we, later on when we talk about organisational well-being? Yeah, we are. Yeah, absolutely. Leading off the conversation of um, the power of saying no, I also felt at the early start of my career as a school business leader that I couldn't say no. Um, because I just assumed Mm. that everything that was asked of me was within my remit to be doing. And it's only as I gained more experience, I realised actually there are things that I can delegate. There are things that I can Mm. diarise. So I don't have to drop what I'm doing right there and then um, to do whatever's being asked of me. I can sort of plan it into my working week and and make sure uh, I get that job done that is required of me, but also that I can do it in the time that I'm able to do so. Um, so two yeah. four is about better diary management and um, that it's important that we don't be slaves, um, don't be slaves to our diary. But we use our diaries to to drive the work that we're doing and, and, and not let it drive our working day, if that makes sense. So it's yeah, about absolutely. things like uh, moving away from sort of task driven activities to, to time allocation and, 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 and using our, so for example, if I have a deadline that I'm working towards, I might, and, and it's for the fifth of the month, I might put it in my diary that the deadline's for the third of the month, because I know that there might be something that comes up that won't allow me to, uh, you know, allocate the time that I need to. So I've got a couple of extra days in order to meet that deadline without exceeding it. And um, mm. I think we need our diaries and, and we should use them to give ourselves headspace and time to think. So going back to the power of saying no, it's okay, I can't do that right now, but when do you need it by? And let me put it in my diary for Friday. So I've scheduled that task in and it's given me time to think about how I'm going to approach doing that or where I can can fit it in rather than adding another item to my to-do list and worrying about when I'm going to have the time to get it done. One of the things that in speaking with a few business leaders, um, I remember having a chat with Cheryl not long ago, and she mentioned, which what I think is brilliant, is that she makes sure on a Monday she doesn't agree to any meetings. So she makes sure her, her Mondays are clear 
um, so that she can start her working week organising the rest of the week or just having time and that clear space in the diary to do things that maybe can't be done um, later on in the week because you've got meetings for, for the rest of it. And um, so I sort of applied that to my Friday afternoons. So now I, mm. I make sure that whenever I'm going to meetings, if it's a Friday afternoon, I'd make sure I keep that clear because that allows me to wrap up um, anything that I've yeah. done during the week, prep for the next week, and also leave on time so I can get home to my family. There's a gymnastics club that I take my daughters to on a Friday. So it's really important that I leave mm-hmm. on time to get her to it. So, yeah, I mean, diary management is, is key in making sure that we can organise ourselves. But it's also useful in just being less stressed and not panicking about all the things we've got now to do this. You may get an email that comes in and says, Kelly, can you do this? Yes, I can. I'm going to put that in my diary, that particular task. I'm going to remove it from my inbox. I have got loads of emails in my inbox, um, which was what I used to do. I used to use my inbox as a to-do list, which is not great when you've come in on a Monday morning mm. and see loads, loads mm. of emails that you think, oh, my God, how am I going to get through this? But I looked, um, if it's an email that requires me to do a quick task, I put it in the diary and then I forget about it until that, that, that diary reminder pops up on my screen. Um, so I think it's important that we ask ourselves, you know, how do we use our diaries to reduce our own anxiety? How do we manage our job lists? Some people use um, Trello. I don't know too much about it, but I know that um, Trello is a system or ClickUp is also another system. It's an electronic project management planning tool, essentially, that allows you to, to manage your, your list of things to do. Uh, or you can just use a simple paper diary. Some people prefer writing it writing it down and keeping that diary in their, you know, in their suitcase or their handbags and making sure that they've got something tangible to refer to um, anytime they need to plan for something. So, yeah, I think it's good to ask ourselves, when was the last time we evaluated our diaries and, and in the way that we prioritise our tasks and see if there's a better way, best way that we can do it and hopefully a couple of the tips that I've mentioned can be, you know, are useful in, in a way of managing our diaries better. I like that idea of the Friday afternoon. And like say Cheryl does it on a Monday. I think Sarah in a previous podcast, I think it was the how to hit the ground running without handover. She talked about tidy Friday for that reason. It was her day to take stock, get everything organized and and leave for the weekend with a clear head. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, you can just just leaving on a Friday, having such a, having worked such a hectic week, just knowing that you've given yourself that time at the end of it to just regroup look at the week ahead, tie up any loose ends. It really does leave you feeling work, being, you know, feeling mm. accomplished. I know I, that's how I feel when I leave on Friday afternoon now, having put this into practice. Um, so it's a, it's a great way of managing our never-ending to-do lists. <laughs> it's interesting though, isn't it, in terms of how much time we actually spend. If we haven't got that organised, I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time thinking, right, what am I going to do? If I haven't got that list, I can just be, I can do it, end up doing anything, to be honest. It just takes me a lot of time to kind of get into a rhythm. And I think just going in on a Monday and saying, right, this is my list for today, saves me so much time. Oh, gosh, yeah. And I think that, you know, sometimes I often sort of give myself maybe three particular jobs that I want to achieve that day. And, and I, I mm. make sure I put them in my diary. You know, my to-do list, when I used to keep one, I, I never saw the end of it. As soon as I finished one task, 
I put another one. And sometimes, actually, if I'd done a task that wasn't on my to-do list, I'd put it on so I could take it off. <laughs> Just so that I feel like <laughs> yeah. yes, I've done something else, I've accomplished another thing. But, you know, if we get, you know, a bit more realistic with ourselves and think, right, we're not, as much as we, Laura, I know you refer to us as superheroes, and I think we are, our roles are so multifaceted and require so much of mm-hmm. us. But we're human as well. There's only so much we can achieve in, within our working day. So by just setting three particular things that I know I want to achieve that day, putting them in my diary, making sure I get them done before I leave, makes things so much easier. And it just it just allows me to sort of feel like I've come in and, and, and done something I set out to do from the start. Because I know mm. that during my working day, there, there are interruptions. Um, they're inevitable. There are things that, that aren't planned that come up. So Anything can happen in, yeah. in the day business leader <laughs> oh exactly exactly so um so bearing that in mind it's good to, it doesn't have to be three tasks it could be one it could be two depending mm-hmm. on how your day's looking um but just set yourself that one maybe two thing things that you can you know diarize and make sure you get done before the end of the day and it does just gives you that feel good factor before you leave i think i think for me that the top tip that kevin's just given you about one two or, or three things a day it, it makes you feel as though you've achieved. But one of the things that I do is I use an ABC method as well. So if it's an A, it's really important. I can't leave the building till it's done. If it's a B, then it can be done today, tomorrow. And if it's a C, then it will wait. It's got to be done by the end of the week. But sometimes those C mm. jobs drop off the end of the list. Um, it's not that you've not done it. It's just that probably not as important by the time you come to it. So, yeah, that's 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 one of the, you know my tips, an ABC method. I'd say my my top tips for managing my diary are, you know, what what Kemi said is make your diary and your emails work for you. You know, don't be a slave to your diary or your emails. Make them work for you. It's quite tempting to respond to an email straight away if you know the answer. And if you know you're going to get into a bit of email tennis with somebody and there's going to be lots of messages going back uh, to, to and fro, you know, sometimes it's better to delay a response just to give you a bit of breathing time because you just don't know what's around the corner work-wise. And, you know, mm. certainly with emails, what I tend to do is just give myself, give myself a bit of breathing space. Don't answer them too quickly. Obviously, you don't want to or, or, or answer them too late, but I think it's just finding a balance of, uh, of, of when to answer. It's like time blocking, isn't it? I see some people say, well, why don't you check them 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at lunchtime, 20 minutes before you leave? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, you know, it's it's it's, yeah, it's about prioritising your email responses as well, like Sally said. Uh, you know, do you, do you sort of answer them the same day? Is it something that can wait to the end of the week? Or is it something that could absolutely wait till next week? And on Google, you can actually uh, mute some of your emails. You can nudge them on. I don't know if anybody's ever uh, seen that, but you can actually go yeah. to, yeah, you can go to the unread emails and say, I don't want to read this till next week or I don't want to read this till two weeks time. Yeah, so you can actually use Google Calendar. I don't know if it's in Outlook. I'm just about to move into the world of Microsoft. One of our colleagues <laughs> at Abled says I'm going to the dark side, but yeah, so, um, <laughs> but yeah, you can do that in Google. So you can actually say, no, I'll I'll look at that next week. Google's great also for its scheduled send facility. So there's a function on there that allows you to type up an email and then schedule when you want it to be sent. So just thinking about well-being, sometimes I, for example, now it's um, half term, um, I work on all year round 
my contract and therefore I'm the only one in school at the moment. But if I'm emailing somebody who's just conscious about their well-being and not wanting them to check emails during the holidays, if they're term time only, I might schedule send my email for it to arrive um, in their inbox on a Monday morning. So it just right. allows me to sort of plan my communications a bit better as well. But yeah, emails is such, um, they've got loads of different tools in them that allows you to, yeah, manage um, our diaries better, manage our, the way we communicate um, in a way that works for us. Can I just ask, while you're all here, has anyone ever achieved inbox zero? No. <laughs> no. Definitely not. <laughs> Once for like half an hour. And then, <laughs> and then I've got another ten. <laughs> just in case anyone's listening and they're thinking, actually, that's what I need to do. I think sometimes some of the, like we've said before, some of the expectations we have of ourselves are beyond. So, yeah, don't focus on inbox zero. Focus in on making emails work for you. Okay. So where are we going next? That's push with personal well-being. Yep. Okay. Um, off far away. So the second uh, second area that we're going to talk about is personal well-being, and I would say this is probably the most important one. Uh, you know, as an individual, because obviously this is about you as a person yourself. And the first tool uh, that we that we come up with was um, actually split into lots of different areas, but it's about, it's called wrapping up time. And this is the, that sort of quite, can be quite an anxious time just before you, you're going on a holiday and you want to get everything tidied up at work before you leave. And I certainly get a bit of anxiety when I'm leaving work for a holiday because I know there's, you know, there's things that I'm not going to be around for at work and I just I want things to to run smoothly so the most important thing would be to to plan ahead and you know this is so important uh, for you to as a as a a school business leader to prepare everything at work so that when you come back after work um, hopefully everything will be um, you know just be a smooth transition back into work but also when you're away you want things to go smoothly as well and the sort of the best sort of um, comparison that I could sort of uh, apply to this would be a space shuttle when it um, when it re-enters orbit, because before the space shuttle re-enters orbit, you have to do all these checks as an astronaut on the shuttle to make sure everything's going to be safe and and go according to plan. So plan ahead, you know, make a list of um, of project related tasks. Uh, and any work requirements that could pop up while you're away, and just make sure that you've got contingency and plans in place, you know, for them. So you're literally leaving work with it with a clean plate. Uh, and if you are lucky enough to have somebody within your structure in, at school able to take on some of your the aspects of your role, then you could sort of do some form of uh, micro delegation to them while you're away as well. So doing a proper sort of turnover before you uh, leave to go on holiday is, is equally important also. I think something we just touched on within the professional segment was about uh, emails. And I would say, without a doubt, one of the most important things that you should do is, you know, handle your email before you go away. And, you know, put on that out of office as well, because the last thing you want to be doing on holiday with you going to, you know, Skegness or, you know, to, to, to you know, to Spain um, is look at your phone. You know, we said before, don't be a slave to, to your diary or your emails or your phone. So put on that out of office uh, email handle and, you know, get that and then 
you can answer emails when you come back uh, come back to work. You've really got to properly switch off. Uh, and then the final two is delegate to your future self. Now, this, this sounds very sort of Terminator-ish from the school business managers <laughs> sent from the future to the past type thing. But, you know, it's, it's about planning. So have a think about, you know, how you want to sort of delegate yourself within a week or two weeks' time, what you want that workload to look like. Again, the more planning you do and you know, before you go away, the, the smoother it will be when you come back after your break. And if you're like me, after you've come back on holiday, that Sunday feeling before the Monday you go back to work, that is the sort of almost like that uh, that crunchy feeling where you feel, oh my God, you know, I'm going back to work. Uh, things are just going to be, it's going to be so much more, so much work for me to do. But if you've done all those steps and you've planned ahead, you've delegated, you know, to your future self, then again, when you come back, everything, you, you, you know, your diary should be working for you and your emails and it should hopefully be a, be a sort of nice, smooth build up to getting back into work. Uh, and then the final thing before you go away, before you sort of check your passport and your plane tickets, is to check your schedule, check your schedule of what's coming up when you do come back to work. So before you, you go on holiday, check your schedule, just make sure everything's in place, you know, your meetings in place, SLT meetings, stuff like that, any sort of deadlines, uh, make sure, you know, make sure you're ahead of your deadlines, like Kemi said, maybe sort of pull the dates forward slightly just to give you a bit of extra breathing space. But the more you sort of plan ahead and check your schedule, again, the easier it's going to be when when you come back to work. I think something else that I used to find useful was, like I say, putting all of those things in place, but also when you're delegating to your teams, explaining what you expect when you come back in terms of getting you up to speed or if they need to give you any paperwork or information about certain things. So you don't have to go chasing everything down. People will come to you and say, well, I've put that to one side to show you or to tell you about. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah, because, uh, you know, you need that uh, you need that feedback from the team. You know, what have you missed uh, since you've been away? You know, if there have been any sort of significant events, stuff like that. Yeah, it's important to sort of quickly uh, get in the loop uh, when, when you when you come back to work, definitely. Yeah, maybe we could go back to the professional well-being where we talked about diary management. And maybe it's about, like um, Husham said earlier, about putting those diary meetings in before you go so that when you're having mm-hmm. those wake-up moments that we all have and you're going through your mind when you've just come back and followed it, right, I wonder what such and such has done and did they do this? You know, you can think... You can park your brain and think, actually, I've got a meeting with that person. So therefore, I don't yeah. need to worry about that now because I've already booked that in. Yeah. And and I think it, it's little tips like that will help to stop that anxiety, I think. Kemi, how about you? Have you got any more tips on planning to take some time off? I'm going to go back to my Friday afternoons because that, that's another thing that I um, I think helps in sort of planning that obviously communicating also plays a big part in actually just making sure that you have told the people that you're working with that you are going to have some time off. And not necessarily the people that you work with in school, but sort of external people that extend to the school as well. And, and just letting them know that you won't be around. I, I don't have the luxury of handing over with my tasks. So I make sure that if I know I'm going to be off, I, I plan that quite well in advance. And, um, you know, if I'm working on any particular projects with people, I let them know this week I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be in. But, um, you know, if there's anything that needs to be done, we can, we can work together to get that done before. Or if it can wait until after, then we can do that when I get back. 
um, so that they're not um, expecting a response or any action um, during the time that I'm not going to be available. Um, so, yeah, I think communicating um, as early as possible that you're not going to be there and, and, and managing the expectations of those who may, you know, who may want to contact you whilst you're off. I also try not to check my emails when I'm off, which I think I I could do better at. I, I am improving day by day, just trying to sort of keep in mind my well-being. Um, but checking emails during periods of time off, I think it's it's not it's not a great idea if you're trying to switch off. And I think it's important that we do when we are taking time off work, really do take that time off to switch off, so that when we come back, we're refreshed and and feel well rested and ready to tackle you know that working day that working week yeah it's like Hasham said isn't it you know don't be a slave to the emails I think I always struggled a bit with that in terms of not checking emails when I was off I did improve like you're saying Kenny I did get better at it but I I felt for my well-being even if I just checked them once a day or once every other day I thought at least I know that the world hasn't ended it helped my well-being. So for me, I thought, I'm doing it for my well-being. I'll do it. I don't know if anyone else does that. I know what you mean. Yeah, I do. I do. Even though I've said don't, don't check me emails while you're off. I, I, do te- I do check them the day that I'm about, the day before I'm about to come back. I will have a look and yeah. see, right, what, what am I dealing with tomorrow? What have we got here? And see where I can. And it just allows me to plan that week ahead, I think. So, yeah, I mean, you might find that it's actually good for your well-being to, to just check in you know, not get stuck into any tasks that are going to take, you know, your, your free time up, but just check yeah. in and make sure that actually, like you say, you know, things, the school has a file, <laughs> you know, that things are yeah. still ticking over or just it, if it just allows you to plan for what's, you know, for, for your week ahead when you do come back, it's it's not a bad idea at the same time to check if you know that's going to help you feel less stressed when you come back on the first day. Yeah, for me, it felt like it was a, the anxiety of not knowing was worse than knowing. And I think that is a, a personal decision to everyone. So yeah, in an ideal world, yes, don't check your emails or at least limit the time that you check your emails. Definitely do not get sucked into doing tasks or answering the emails. Obviously, we're definitely not saying that. But yeah, you know, do what is right for you, I think would be my message. Totally agree with you. Okay, so personal well-being tool number two. Yep. So that's over to me. So one thing I'd just like to pick up on on the discussion that's just happened is well-being is a personal thing. And I think what you said, yep. Laura, about what worked for you, it's something that will work for me won't work for somebody else. And I think whoever's listening to this out there, you know, this is about understanding yourself and what you can yep. do to make your well-being better. I mean, we're providing you with lots and lots of tips today, but well-being is a personal, personal very personal thing so I think if if like you said checking your emails you know the night before you go back to school not necessarily responding them and by the way on gmail it's called snoozing your emails so even if you went in and then (laughs) snoozed it till the next morning and that's a tip to get a clear inbox um even though it's false um you know that it's about what's working for you isn't it yeah definitely definitely so tool two um I've recently been um, exposed to this expression and it's called going into monk mode. So as in a monk, Mm -hmm. um, which is all about switching off. So this is about our personal well-being and our personal well-being probably kicks in when we leave at whatever time we try and finish on a Friday um, and before we start again on Monday or whilst we're on holiday. And it's about switching off all communication. 
So you've already done um, the tips that Husham talked about, letting people know you're going to be away, putting your out of office on. You know, you've done you've told the world that you're not going to be around. But when you're not around, what does that mean? What are you you know, what are you going to be looking at? So switching off your your technology effectively. So turning Twitter off completely. So I've seen plenty of people who have um, said openly on Twitter, I'm going on a break. I'll be away for Twitter for a couple of weeks. I'm going into monk mode. Some people are very fortunate to be able to have a work phone or a work iPad where you could just have your school emails. Um, Somebody who I used to work with did not have their um, emails or anything to do with work, even Facebook to an extent, on their personal devices. They just used their school iPad for work. So if they were picking up that iPad, they were in work mode. But if like some of us, you, you know, you're not fortunate enough to have a school iPad and everything is on your mobile phone, it's about turning that off and disabling it in some way to make sure that you're not tempted to look at things. And I know we've we've advocated Twitter a lot and, and I can't advocate it enough. And, and I think it's one of the most amazing things I've, I've ever um, come across for, for help and support. But there are times when if you if you are an avid Twitter fan and you use it quite a bit, you know, it it's, it does start your brain going into work mode because a lot of us on there are there yeah. for a reason. So I think giving yourself that permission and letting people know if you want to, you know, I'm having a two week break. I'm having a break from Twitter. You won't hear from me. And, and just silencing it for a while. The same with WhatsApp groups. I believe you can silence WhatsApp groups. So if you've got WhatsApp groups yeah. for work, you can silence those. So it's that's monk mode. Monk mode is a bit of solitude, a bit of time for yourself. Finding out what you enjoy and what you want to do. So, for example, I work at the moment term time only. So I have a lot of time to spend time with my son, catching up with friends, all of that kind of thing. And we do things with you know, as families or our friends who have got children and the children are always involved. And some people might laugh at this, but, you know, there might be a time when you want to set up a play date for your child to go somewhere else. So you can just have half a day for yourself. And that's not to catch up on the washing or do the cleaning or the just it might be just to sit and read a book or, you know, go and have a coffee somewhere on your own. Go and people watch because we're allowed to do that again now. I've personally done a bit of that just (laughs) lately and I love it. But, you know, or even just having an afternoon snooze. I know it sounds crazy. I love afternoon snoozing. It's the best thing ever. But obviously, as a working mum, mm-hmm. you don't get a lot of time to do that. It's not mm-hmm. great to be asleep at your desk. Um, but, you know, have, giving yourself, again, I keep saying this all the time, giving yourself permission to do something that you want to do and find out what you enjoy that recharges your batteries and gives you a better work-life balance, really. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? It's this professional versus personal because sometimes if you are taking the professional home and you're not switching off, it does impact on your personal life and your family and your friends, like you've said. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. How do you go into monk mode, Kenny Hisham? Do you go into monk mode? I go into monk mode. I um, Sally mentioned earlier um, having a work phone, and so I recently got a work mobile, and so all my work emails and contacts are on that. And I so I did use my personal phone um, for a little while, but now having switched to having a work phone separate from that, I can actually physically switch off, like physically switch off the phone when once my working day is done. 
and that allows me to just mentally be able to switch off much easier as well. Um, I know when the phone it's rings. It's like switching off your laptop, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know that when my phone rings, for example, and it's after five, it's a phone call that's not work related. So I yeah. can feel at ease answering it. So it's just things. Psychologically, that must be so much better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And just notifications that come up. I actually started a few days ago a Twitter feed, or tried to start um, a Twitter feed about SCL hacks and how we can, if there, you know, if anyone can share any tips on how to um, just make life easier in the, in the role of the SCL. And one of the things that I put there to start off the, the thread was turning off notifications. And something as simple as that just makes such, mm. it makes a world of difference. Having, not having those not having your phone so sort of beep every few minutes or however often an email comes through just brings your anxiety levels right down and just keeps you I don't know for me it just makes me feel less less anxious sometimes especially when I've had a busy day and then I've and I've got the phone going off in the background um so making sure that I physically switch off you know my my work devices really helps me to mentally switch off as well it's interesting what you said because some of those things we do subconsciously we don't think about our notifications or which phone that we're using and it's about saying habits isn't it because we do these things automatically we don't question them and I don't think we think at the time how much those things impact on our well-being or our feelings of anxiety and I know I did a podcast recently with Julie Corden and we were talking about things like this in terms of being more conscious of these things and making choices and kind of coming back to one of the themes from before is setting boundaries. So not just setting boundaries in terms of jobs and tasks and people, but also professional and work and how we're expected to to do our jobs. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, I mentioned having a separate phone for work. Some may not be able to do that and they may use the one handset for both, but there are functionalities in our phones that allow us to set different types of alerts for different contacts so you could have a different ringtone if it's a work contact for example different alert if it's your work email that's coming through and so uh, at least that gives you that before you pick up your phone at least you know what the alert is is about and allows you to make an informed decision about whether or not something you want to look at right now but yeah it does have such a huge impact on how uh, on our um, mental well-being i believe and um the more we can manage that, the, the, the better, the, the more we can achieve um, improved well-being, I think. What about you, Hisham? Do you go into monk mode? Uh, I do, actually. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm testing it out this week, believe it or not. Um, I only got introduced to monk mode about a month ago from Sally. I think it was part of her, her master's studies. And I must say, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. Um, but, uh, but I think it, it does come with a caveat, because you can't just use it whenever you feel like it. Uh, there are going to be sort of time best you know preferable times of the year um you know sort of outside of esma deadline time timelines and stuff like that better times of the year when you can sort of use it Uh, but what i would say is because of the pandemic and you know if you would have said to me go into monk mode during the middle of a pandemic i would have just said well i would have just ignored you but i think post coming out transitioning out of the pandemic is really important for people to 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 learn you know how to switch off and i think as sally said it's about giving yourself permission to, you know to, to switch off and to do something you like it's about the power of me it's about you 
being able to sort of take ownership of your, you know, of, of your own sort of mental health and well-being. Uh, that's something we sort of we we sort we 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 haven't been as open about in the past. But again, the last twelve months has really sort of uh, magnified that and, and brought it to the surface big time. And you know, the well-being of SBMs is is, is really important. You know, I said before, it can be quite an isolating, you know, uh, job sometimes. Uh, and we all need a sort of vice, a cutoff, because we all have limits. We all need those boundaries as well. But again, you know, you, you, you've got to, it comes back to giving yourself a break. Because if you don't, you know, you're going to get burnt out. And, and you know, I've been, I've been there before, burnt out. I think I've lost count of the number of times that I've sort of, cried on the kitchen floor in the last 12 months and I know there's a lot of people in that position because because of the pressures of the role it's brought you know the rock we've I think we've created a whole set of new competencies because of the pandemic which is mm. good and we've also become a lot more resilient as well but everybody has different thresholds uh, and, I th- and I think it's just being you know recognizing what your your limit is which is which is quite important absolutely and I know like like you're saying there, Hisham, you know, about your experiences. I know others who have been pushed to their extremes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's taken them to go to that extreme to say, do you know what? As much as I love my job, I enjoy my job and I want to do well at it. A job's a job. It's brought things into a different perspective. And I think that's yeah. helped some people moving forward in terms of setting some of these boundaries and, and putting some of these things in place. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. Okay. So personal well-being, is there a tool number three? Yes, there is. And it's something that we all do every day. And that's sleep. Um, And (laughs) sleeping allows, I mean, I've underestimated sleep, particularly in this job. And the benefits of just getting a good night's sleep, I completely completely underestimated how much that impacts me the following day. I think it's important that we are able to bring our whole selves to work and not bringing our tired selves to work. It just makes such a huge impact on our being able to be as productive as possible during the working day. I mean, it's no surprise that getting a good night's sleep can keep your energy levels up, but it not only allows your body the time it needs to rest, um, to repair, to mm. rebuild, it, it does also the same for your mind. I haven't got the best yeah. memory in the world. <laughs> Um, I forget things and so I'm reliant on writing things down but I know that once I've had a good night's sleep or when I the more I have um, a good night's sleep consecutively it actually makes my brain it helps my brain to organize and process all the information that I've had and taken on during that working day and um, just process it in a much better way so what you know when I've got a lot on my mind and I'm struggling with emotions sometimes or going uh, over things in my head that can keep me awake at night you know worrying all night might sometimes change my mood or the you know having lack of sleep might make me feel low on certain days but I know that if I decide like look this week I'm going to set myself a challenge and make sure that I'm in bed by I don't know for me early is 10 o'clock I'd say <laughs> um, considering how, <laughs> how late I normally go to sleep um, so if I set myself a you know a challenge and say that at 10 o'clock I'm going to be in bed and I, I can get my minimum of seven hours sleep so that I feel okay the next day I've got to do it and I, I know I need to do better at better at going to bed on time because I know for example that when I go to sleep 
acting or slightly earlier, when I wake up the next day, I feel like I'm ready to take on that day fully and, and not wake up feeling tired and in a low mood and, and stroppy because I, I do get stroppy, <laughs> just a little bit when I'm tired. So it's important for me, I know personally, to make sure that I get good yeah, good night's sleep. Um, just makes me feel less stressed the next day. How did you break that cycle or how do you break that cycle of, like you say, the, the things that are worrying you and that you're carrying around and that are keeping you awake? How do you break that and, and get to sleep? Do you know what? I, the last last term, we at our school, one of our governors arranged for a mindfulness coach to attend the school, well, virtually, and um, hold some mindfulness classes. And I'd never tried it before. Mm. And it really surprised me how much it, it helped in actually just helping me to feel relaxed and centre myself. I'm, I'm, I'm not really one for yoga and, and sort of um, mindfulness type practices, but I thought, you know what, I'll give it a go. If it's going to help me feel a, li- a little bit less stressed in this crazy time that we're in, then, then why not? I can only benefit from it. And i tell you what, it made me feel, you know, after the first session, I learned some really valuable ways of being able to just switch off, be more present in the in the present moment and not worrying about what's to come or worrying about what I haven't done yet or deadlines maybe that I've missed or something that I've forgotten. It allowed me to just centre my thoughts and, and just be present in the moment and also gave me really useful ways of just learning how to relax my body and my mind. Mm. And um, I tried that when I went to bed one night and I, I had the best sleep that night just practicing those breathing techniques and I remember one of the things that the lady taught us was to lie there and just maybe think about sounds really weird but think about your toes and how your toes are feeling now think about your your ankles and and then work your way up your body and mm. I was it, it, it was strange but it allowed me to stop thinking about my to-do list stop thinking stressing about what you know I haven't yet done and allowed me to just center my thoughts and focus on myself and before you know it I was I was fast asleep um so <laughs> it, it worked it might not be everyone's cup of tea but I, I definitely would recommend trying trying it and see if it's something that you think works for you um, another thing I took up was um couch to 5k I've never not one for exercising much <laughs> I'd rather just sit and chill out but I thought you know what I'm gonna try and get to grips a little bit with my fitness and I, I'd like the idea of being able to climb up the stairs at work and not be out of breath at the end of it and you know once I got to the top so I decided to try out for couch 5k I'd seen someone tweet about it right let me give that a go and um just going for a run sometimes in the evenings just made me feel just that I mean, initially I had a, a little bit of an energy burst, but over time I really, I noticed that my sleep pattern had improved a lot. I was getting tired yeah. at the right time of the evening, um, which made it so much more easy to fall asleep. So even if I did have things in mind, I physically couldn't keep up to think about them because I was knackered. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it, um, it just helped me sort of um, de-stress from running, but also be tired at the right time so that I could get enough hours sleep. And, and wake up feeling ready for the next day I love that mindfulness and couch to 5k I think there's some apps as well isn't there there's calm and headspace and I feel like there's another one and I think if I'm right one of these apps has 
um, either discounts or free resources for people in education? Yeah, I think Headspace, Headspace does. It's, I think it is, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is Headspace that's free for, for um, schools. And it's got loads of, it's an app that you can download on your phone. And I think you can access it online as well on your computers. And it, it gives you loads of tips on how to sort of de-stress and might also help you. I think um, from, I vaguely remember, I, I tapped into it about a year ago now. And I remember receiving emails about mindfulness as well in there and ways that we can de-stress. I don't know if Sally or Lush mm. have used this app at all. I haven't used it yet, but I think it's it's going to be on my list now. <laughs> I think I've used it in the early days and it is free for educators. I think you just have to use your school email address to be able to get it. But yeah, yeah, it is it is quite good. It is good for to help de-stress. And I think that comes back to what we were talking about and the power of me and making sure that you mm. you have the power over yourself to make sure that that you do these things that help and and take my hat off to Kemi with the couch to 5k it's something that I've been thinking about and I need to think about it a bit harder I think to actually do it um I say I think I'm still on the couch yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> on the couch I'm still in lockdown loads that I've bought with me over the last 12 to 18 months um but yeah I think yeah I think there's some there's a lot in there that we can all learn from definitely I think it's interesting isn't it like we say about the power of me and we're talking about sleeping well and leaving work on time and switching off notifications and some people I imagine are probably listening to this and going are they mad you know this is a crazy job and I don't know how I could do it and you know clinging on white knuckles but I think it's important to remember by doing all of these things like Kemi said you know you're going to turn up at work 100% and your best self you know you won't be stroppy I also admit I can be stroppy as well um you know you won't be stroppy you will be tired you'll be sharp so it will only make you better on the job yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And, may, you know, like you say, make you sharp. We, we as business leaders, you know, we've got to be sharp. We've got to be on our game 99.9% of the time. Um, and when we're not, it's very easy to see that, I think, because people are so used to us being on on, on form. And, you know, being on form doesn't mean working around the clock, because as Husham said, you will burn out. Absolutely. 100% you'll burn out. And and nobody wants that yeah. because that takes far longer to come back from than giving yourself blocking an hour in your diary to just think, you know, that's just one hour. But coming back from burnout yeah. takes a hell of a long time to, to pick yourself back up. Definitely. You've just picked up on something there that I, I forgot. And I, I say this to people talking about diaries and well-being put some well-being time in your diary because I think we turn up for everything else in our diaries we should put time for us in our diaries as well like we said about the Friday afternoons or the Mondays or you know whatever way it works for you yeah book a you know I'm going to leave early on Wednesday because I'm going to go to that class or I'm going to leave early on Friday because I'm going this place with my family or you know I'm going to come in late on Monday because I have this personal appointment that I need to do whatever it is I think if you put it in your diary you're more likely to show up than make an excuse and it does not happen yeah definitely yeah, I mean, I think that's so important, actually, because, like I say, Lord, we do sometimes, um, as SBLs, uh, and me particularly as a, work, a working mum, I put myself last uh, when it comes to doing certain things, like just like do like putting myself first, for example. So it is important that we, uh, as much as we diarise things like meetings or tasks, that we also put time in the diary to for ourselves, or like I say, to spend time with our family if I arrange a play date 
the kids. Um, I've got three daughters, two in primary, one in secondary. And if I've arranged to do something with them, I make sure I put that in my diary straight away so that if it does mean that I've got to leave work on time that day, um, or if I'm, if I'm looking mm. at the diary to set a meeting date with somebody, I know, okay, that day I've got to be out by this time because I cannot be late um, for what I've arranged with my kids. Um, it's, it's even more difficult being a single mum, juggling work, juggling, yeah. you know, being a school business leader and, um, and having children that um, rely on you. I, you know, we wear many hats, but some of my hats include chauffeur, <laughs> includes cook, um, play dates, organiser, and all the rest of the bloody things that comes with, um, with being a mum to my three. And it's, I think it's so important that we just set that time aside. I'm, I battle with mum guilt a lot, and I know that if I yeah. um, make sure I put in my diary things that I'm doing with my kids, even if it's outside of working hours, I put them, in, I put it in my diary just so that I know it's there and I can plan it. Just helps. It's a bit of my um, OCD and trying to plan things and plan ahead, but it allows me to um, know that I've got something coming up and I can prep for it and just make sure I don't let people that I care about down. It's the visual cue, isn't it? Sometimes seeing it in the diary, it says, right, that is going to happen. And like you say, you start planning for it, considering it, making time for it, making sure that nothing overlaps with it. And I think when we're talking about personal well-being and things outside of work, it's just as important that those two overlap and we see them overlapping rather than work diaries, just consuming everything else. That's right, yeah. I mean, there are some times where right, I have to, not all the time, but occasionally I pop in on a Saturday um, if we've got a letting or something going on at the school. Um, but if I've put something in a diary for me to do with the children, I I, I can call to say that that weekend I'm not I'm not available, I'm not in. And it just allows me to sort of better plan what I'm yeah, plan my time so that I'm not feeling guilt really about um, not being able mm. to do the things that I would like to do, you know, with the like I said, with the people that I care about most. And obviously getting those seven hours sleep, very important. Yes. Um, I'm with you on that. If I don't sleep, I get stroppy. Yes, got to get the sleep in. It's, it's key. <laughs> okay. Are there any other tools in personal wellbeing? There's one that I'd like to pick up and it's one that I'm trying really hard to do at the moment. And that is to forget to remember. So I'm one of these people um, that keeps saying, oh, I must remember to do this. Then five minutes, oh, I must remember to do that. So using the tools that we've talked about today, particularly the diary management or something like ClickUp, and I've start, I've been using ClickUp for about six months now when it is starting to take effect. So things like um, mm-hmm. going back to, to work things, like month end, we all know we have to do month end, but diarying that and then having underneath within ClickUp, you can then have sub actions within it and until you have clicked off all the sub actions and complete, you can't complete the task. So it comes right. and it, it links with your diary. So if you do it on ClickUp, it will put things in your diary as well if you want it to. So you can block that, automatically block that day out for month end day. So it recurs every month. So you'll be able to see in your diary in a month's time, actually, that is month end day. So nothing's going in that day. Whereas before it might yeah. be um oh, tenth of the month and I could do we do a month then, but actually I'll do that. So, you know, you're already ahead of yourself. So 
yeah. my my resolution for the new academic year and the new role that I'm going into is to forget to remember and use tools that are out there effectively so I can forget to remember. There's only so much we can retain, yeah. isn't there? And you will forget something. We always do. But I think mm. if we use those tools that we've talked about today, you know, mm. we can start to forget to remember stuff. Any other tools? Um, it was touched on a little bit earlier when I mentioned Catch the 5K, but just um, if you can, staying physically active. Um, I know this job is an anchoring one, <laughs> and sometimes a fourth exercise can uh, be off-putting, but uh, even if it is going for a walk, running, going to the gym, swimming, whatever it is that you enjoy, really, you might not even have to be exercise, but just do make time to do things that you enjoy. Don't forget about you in amongst all the you know, you know, all the things that we have to make sure that we get done during the week and do something that makes you feel good at the end of the day. We, I know Cheryl does a, a steps uh, challenge on Twitter that I've seen. I'm, I'm not part of it myself. I'm not part of the Garmin crew, so <laughs> I, I haven't <laughs> been able to participate. But that's a really great way of getting people active. I know some people use that challenge to make sure they take their lunch break um, during their working day. Yeah. And um, I know how, how many of us do take our lunch hour. I know sometimes I work through the lunch hour if it means getting something done quicker um, sooner rather than later. But yeah, taking time to remember that we matter too and do things that you enjoy and make yourself feel good at the end of it. The steps challenge is great, isn't it? Because it gives, like you say, it's that accountability. People are taking a lunch break because they want to get the steps in because that challenge is super competitive. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? I think it's now in, split into categories of primary, secondary, all through. And, um, yeah, I've seen... Because there's league tables there. I've seen them going, <laughs> right, I'm, I'm going off on my run. Like, you need to get out now, get off the couch and go, get your steps in. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think um, it's a great way. I mean, so I don't have a Garmin watch, but I've got a little Samsung watch that counts my steps as I'm walking around. And I've got a target on it for 6,000 steps a day. So if I'm like, hmm. you know, 590 or whatever I purposefully walk up the stairs and back down again just to make sure I reach that target and even if I don't you know it's a good way of just checking it actually gives me a little reminder if I've been sat down at my desk for too long you know time to keep active or be active or something like that pops up on the screen um and it's just a, a reminder to stretch my legs and you know and um and check in with myself really and I think that's also uh, really important my Apple Watch does that. I'm literally sat there in the middle of something. It's like, time to stand up. I'm like, really? Now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's not the right time, that reminder. But other times it's, it's oh, yeah, actually, I have been sat here for the last three hours and I've not even realised. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's handy. It has its uses, doesn't it? Those reminders. Yeah, it's when I think one of the exercise rings, or there's like three rings on the Apple Watch exercise thing. And like at like 11 o'clock at night, it'll say, you've still got time. All you need to do is a 15-minute brisk walk. And I'm like, are you having a laugh? <laughs> do you know what time it is? Yeah, no, it's, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, go to sleep. <laughs> so yeah, right. Okay, any other tools in terms of personal well-being? I think one of the, one of the things we discussed in Abled uh, was... The possibility of having a mental health SOS button within the uh, you know the website of every local or regional uh, SBL website. It's something which I you know talked about on Twitter a couple of years ago, and I think over the last sort of twelve months, it's become 
sort of more maybe more of a need i know there's um i know within with the head teachers there's like a, a new sort of helpline that's been set up and some of the unions have also set up their own helplines to support head teachers um who are who, um you know with a similar type of facility but having a a button a unique button that you could click on a bit like facebook have they have some of these some of these uh they have buttons don't they where you can click on if uh, if you want to report something or you know if, if something's not quite right uh if you you know if it's, it's you know or potentially somebody's at risk that kind of thing uh, and i think having that maybe uh, on on each site uh, maybe a sort of step towards uh, another step towards supporting um colleagues i mean i'd like to sort of uh think that before it ever got to that stage there'd be enough sort of support mechanisms within that individual school but it Mm. There might there might be occasions occasions or times where it may be the sort of peer network and the professional network that might be where they feel the most comfortable talking about their mental health, uh, and it could be that we have mm. trained advocates within each of the uh, regional uh, support groups as well to um to, you know so so that they're able to offer advice or signpost uh, colleagues to to the right sort of support agencies. Yeah, like you say, all these tools that we've talked about today and, you know, in, in everyone's school, you would hope that all of those support mechanisms would be in place. But it is important, I think, because it could be anything that makes people, you know, go to that extreme and feel really terrible and wonder where they need to go for help. So, yeah, I think having something like that where it, it's accessible and it's immediate would be really beneficial. Yeah, definitely. I think it's about it's about, it's about creating that sort of safe space where people have the the confidence to talk about mental health like we're doing today you know we've all been quite honest about uh, our own experiences our own challenges and it's encouraging that sort of openness really uh, even more absolutely and I think it's also realizing you know this this can be quite a lonely job at times and you do feel quite isolated sometimes because I think the level of understanding within schools about the role that you do I think we you know we touched on it at the top of the show saying you know we've probably come into the limelight a lot more um, or the spotlight sorry a lot more recently because of our roles under you know maybe your your risk assessments and COVID planning and all that kind of stuff and getting your PPA and all of that but before COVID and probably even now that you know you're the lady who works or the gentleman that works in the office or oh you're you're the school secretary or whatever it may be and it is so we all know it's so much more than that but how many people have you talked to outside of schools and oh what do you do for a living I work in a school oh are you a teacher no I'm a school business leader oh what's that you know it can be quite a lonely job and I think we're here today to advocate our profession but also that there is help out there if you need it and just reach out, just go onto Twitter and there will be an army of people behind you to support you. I can guarantee within seconds, if not seconds, minutes, um, and you're not alone. I think that, you know, for me, that's one of the biggest messages I want to put across today. I think that's right. And when we talk about Twitter, I see it quite regularly. It is normal for people to post. I am having a terrible day. I don't know what to do. I've just locked myself in the office. I, I don't know what I can do next and like you say within seconds within minutes there's someone there who's answered and said right okay remember this or try this or say this or go and do that or you know go for a walk have a have a sandwich have a chocolate bar you know anything just that knowing that someone's there and that they've heard you can make the difference I think yeah definitely absolutely 
Okay, I think this leads us on to organisational wellbeing, doesn't it? We're talking about mental health and the role that organisations play in our wellbeing and the tools that they have that they can use to help us. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, this is the um, the third pillar of wellbeing, isn't it? We've talked about professional, personal and organisational. And the three are so, like I said before, they're so interconnected and you can't do one without the other, really. Uh, they, it's very holistic. I think it's important to to practice all, all three. But with organisational well-being, I think I'll just start off with a definition, really, that I found off Mind UK. And what Mind UK said was that 60% of employees say that they'd feel more motivated and more likely to recommend their organisation as a good place to work if their employer took action to support mental well-being and you know this, this is probably i would say the number one topic at the moment and you know it's been it's sort of been bubbling away the last few years as a uh, uh, an area of um, you know priority but now it is something which is we've seen it affect you know a lot of staff and colleagues with the pandemic it's uh, it's really sort of um, magnified some of the mental health, you know, cases that, you know, if, if staff have had mental health conditions, it's really sort of magnified those, brought those to the surface. But I think uh, in order to sort of have organisation organization wellbeing, there's three sort of key areas. And the first one is to promote wellbeing. And that's about getting the senior leaders on board, raising the awareness of mental health and wellbeing. Uh, and also something we talked about previously with the mental health SOS button is having mental health advocates or champions in each school and and that's something the government are talking about at the moment I think they're about to publish funding uh, around that as well I don't think they've decided how much they're going to fund it but they're going to sort of publish some information on that where schools are going to have their own sort of mental health trained sort of advocates and champions Uh, and that's something which is really you know it, it is needed I think it should be seen as important as the SENCO role, I must say that. So maybe we call them sort of MENCO's mental health coordinators. I don't know. That's just a pie-in-the-sky idea. The second area is to encourage openness. Uh, And this is really about, you know, really opening up those conversations to staff and having sort of free dialogue, decision-making around mental health uh, and not being, you know, afraid you know, to talk about it, it's it's not a dirty word. It's something which we all need to, to talk about. Like I say, it's something which is, is is key now. And, you know, it should form part of the normal conversations that we have in school. You know, let's not shy away from it. Let's encourage openness. Let's encourage that dialogue. Let's get those systems in place to support each other, whether they're buddying systems or, you know, mentoring systems or, or, or line management processes let's embed and you know interlink mental health within within those uh you know there's lines of um within, within line management and, and communic- staff communication uh the third area is understanding how to tackle the causes of mental health problems so that really comes down to you know what policies the school has do they need updating do those policies support the practice that actually happens in school you know is the policy driving that practice or is it just a policy for for policy's sake you know if you've got a policy it's important that it's you know it's practiced and it's preached and it's up to date and that it supports staff as well and it's about cascading that training that knowledge to the staff 
who will be, you know, supporting um, supporting staff. You know, I come back to the first point we talked about mental health advocates, mental health champions. It's you know, it's, let's get the tr- the right and proper training to those people so that can be cascaded to the rest of the staff to ensure that you know staff are kept safe, they're always operating within a safe space, and that they have the confidence to you know to come to come forward and talk about their mental health, any mental health concerns that they have. Uh, I think the one thing I would sort of take away and sort of wrap around all of this is uh you know we talked about professional personal organizational well-being but you know let's let's normalize mental health within the education system you know and and at home as well mm. you know let, you know let's let's make it as uh, you know unintimidating as possible you know as, as friendly as welcoming as possible but the most important thing is to make it make it a normal part of our lives I think as well, it's interesting in terms of some of the discussions that happen are positive. And I think some people are afraid to talk about mental health for different reasons. And I think if you're a line manager or even a business manager who is dealing with HR and therefore the people that are coming to you with those issues, sometimes you feel a bit out of your depth and you don't know how to respond to those people. So I think my advice would also be look at the EAP programs that are out there, you know, the employee assistance programs, because as managers, you can use them for support, but you can also direct members of staff to get maybe more bespoke or professional help if that's what they need or someone outside of the workplace to talk to that will ultimately help them. I think that's an excellent point, Laura. There are some absolutely fantastic resources out there. And the, and one of the, as well as the one you've just mentioned, the, the other one that comes to mind is the one on the Mind UK website. And if you Google on Mind UK, how to promote well-being there is an absolutely fantastic mm. document in, in there which can be applied in schools and it's all about organization well-being and what that will do is it will help schools develop a culture of well-being within yeah. the school and and again it comes back to normalizing you know coming back to 360 degrees it comes back to you know how we can normalize mental health in schools uh, and, and and i think one of the strands on that is is you know where can we signpost people when they do need help? Because it is, you know, I've been through recently with my daughter who, who, who's who got some mental health problems, you know, I, that the system of navigating support for uh, for mental health is an absolute minefield. So the more we can signpost staff, uh, you know, even, even yeah. families, children and families to those yeah. agencies, to those support mechanisms, the more we can do that, the better. And I think we are on the front line as business managers. I know I had a lot of staff coming to me with issues and some of them I, I knew what to say and I knew what to do. Mm. And some of them I was like, that's a bit outside of my area of expertise, but I, I, I can't help that I know someone who can. You know, and like you say, some of these programs have, it's not just just counselling or, or something as, as pure as that. Sometimes it's financial support or like you say, support for families or if someone's got an illness in the family or, you know, it could be any number of things that are going on outside of work that can actually help them that we can signpost them to because like we've said before you know we need to come to work 100 percent. so does everybody else yeah I, I totally agree laura i think uh, and like you said you've hit the nail on the head there the organizational well-being it extends to the community as well the the one thing i think mm. where one well one of the things where uh, that has certainly happened over the pandemic is that sbls have become conduits and sort of almost uh, ports of information 
for for the community, whether it's mm. you know um, mental health services, food banks, you name it. We've we've we are sort of the conduits, uh, and and I think a lot of SBLs, you know, are you know they're at the heart of their community, but they are able to signpost now as well in a lot more ways than they did before mm. the pandemic. Uh, and that's been a quite a big change to our role. It's been is is being able to signpost families, staff members, uh, pupils to to the, to the different support agencies out there because there is, you know, there is um there is a mental health crisis in schools, without a doubt. Uh, you know, we see it every day within our jobs. We see it with the you know the, the number of uh, SEN referrals increasing significantly over the pandemic, especially around mental health. Uh, and, other th- uh, and stuff like that and you know being able to signpost uh whether it's your within your own organization or the community is a key aspect of the role now kenny sally how have you found it recently are you signposting people more to different services and and different support systems yeah i mean like you say Laura, there are times where staff will approach me and ask for advice on particular matters and there are times where i will be able to to help um, support and there are other times where I I'm, I may not have that knowledge and therefore we'll need to signpost them. Um, we are about to sign up to a, an EAP that will allow staff to have access to 24 hour, uh, a 24 hour service where they can um, really get advice about mental health, well-being, um, anything that they may be struggling with. I find it so much more fulfilling, so much more better in my opinion to speak to someone who can who gets where you're coming from, who appreciates the challenges that you're facing and, and can give you um, some advice or uh, perspective that is really relative to your role, which is why I know we've talked yeah. about SPL Twitter a lot, but I think that's why it's so brilliant because you're, you're, speak, you're networking with people who completely relate to the tasks and challenges that you're dealing with on a day-to-day. And just thinking about SPL well-being, it really does make such a huge difference being able to talk to somebody who is able to um, understand. Absolutely. I think the employee assistance programme is one thing that we've used so much over the last few months. Um, I think people might forget about this. So for those listening who don't quite know what the employee assistance programme is, normally it comes with your absence insurance for your teachers but it's not just for your teachers. It is for every single member of your workforce. So if you, um, when you're looking at your absence um, insurance, which a lot of us will be coming in the next couple of months, um, it's every single, the one that we have, um, every member of staff has got access to eight free counselling sessions. And that counselling is done either face-to-face or face-to-face as in virtually or over the phone. And it's set up within 24 hours. There's um, signposting for uh, money, if you've got money worries, mental health, anything. There's also medical um, support for you and for your dependents. So if you've got children under the the age of 18, you can get money towards, um, it sounds horrible, but scans or anything like that. You know, there's not just support for the the employee, there's support for their family too. Um, And I have used that Mm. so much over these last 12 to 18 months. I've signposted people to that, even um, occupational health appointments that you need to send people to as part of your policies and processes around HR support. That's free of charge. So I'd urge people to really look into when they're looking at renewing their absence policy, 
making sure that that well-being is covered and COVID is covered, top tip, because they don't all cover for COVID reasons, related reasons. And long COVID is such a big thing at the moment. So making sure you're covered for that. But that, for me, that's been one of the best things. And also mental health first aid training. I undertook that a few months ago and I actually was paid for it by a local company. And I did it with them, with the with the local company. It's nothing to do with education, but they reached out to our school and said, we're putting this on. We'd like to pay for some of your staff to do it. And I did it. And then afterwards, we realized that maybe I'm not the right person because there could be times when I'm dealing with a HR issue that is having an impact on somebody's mental health. They're not going to come and talk to me about it. They need to talk to somebody else. So if you're mm. looking at your mental health first aid, um, in the company, it was a really big company, they had people with different colored lanyards around their necks. So it was purple. So if you needed help from anybody, you knew, even if they weren't in your department, by looking at that person with that purple lanyard, you knew they were trained in mental health and you could talk to them if you wanted to. And the people at the top aren't necessarily the right people to put in that position. But somebody else within your organization, your trust, a trusted person could be that person. And I think that's worth looking into. And I think there's quite a lot of free stuff out there, especially after the pandemic for employers to access for that. We'll definitely put links to all of these things that we've talked about today in the show notes. I imagine it's going to be a super long list, but it's exactly what we wanted. We wanted to be able to give you all of these tools and these tips and signpost you guys onto things that will help you. Okay, so if we could summarize, what are the the main points that you would like to leave people with today? If we can extract the top few, what would they be? Three. Go back to the start where we, we identify the three pillars of well-being. Oh, I think it's also it's important to, when we're thinking about uh, SDL well-being, and take into consideration our professional well-being, organisational as well as personal. And, um, and remember the benefits of networking, uh, which I mentioned at the start. It's so important to be able to reach out and, and network with people and peers um, that can relate to the challenges that you're facing. There's no such thing as a super question. Ask, ask, and ask. Um, that's the only way we learn and can grow. And um, I think it's important for us to not stop in silence, to talk to each other and reach out and, and, um, and find a network, whether it's locally or regionally, that we can um, share our ideas and, 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 and benefit from each other's expertise. I think my sort of takeaway uh, top tip would be certainly hybrid working. I think it's something we've all sort of learned to sort of live with over the last sort of year and a bit. And, you know, it does have its benefits. And I appreciate not everybody, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it does have its uh, advantages. So if you do get an opportunity of hybrid working and opportunity to maybe do one or two days from home, it's, you know, it is a really good uh, sort of uh, time to, you know, complete that sort of confidential working that kind of work that kind of work you wouldn't necessarily you know be able to or do as do as uh, as effective uh, within a school setting Um, one of the top tips from me is having the courage to say no but remember it's it's not always no it's not right now I can do this then having the power to do that and giving yourself permission to say those words will change a lot of things for you Another tip is about diary management and driving our diaries, not letting it drive us. I think by 
doing things like making sure your diary is clear on a Friday afternoon allows us to be less of a slave to our diaries and we can use the time and use our diaries to be able to plan our working week. I also think planning ahead is is really important, making sure if you are going away that you do plan ahead and you delegate to your future self. This is something that Husham picked up on, um, making sure that you you delegate things for when you're back so you've got that peace of mind that you're already ahead of yourself before you've even gone away. How, how awesome would that be? <laughs> and also the, the power of me. I, I can't advocate that enough. You know, we have the power in ourselves to take control of all of this and 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 help ourselves. So the power of me is my biggest takeaway for you guys today. Another takeaway is getting enough sleep. Um, I underestimated the benefits of it until I really made sure that I tried my best to make sure I get to bed on time. And it made such a difference to how I felt the next working day or the next day in general. Um, so getting enough sleep is so key and it's really important giving ourselves permission also to do things that we like, um, to just enjoy um, our time. You know, we work hard, we should play hard too when we can. And, um, you know, making sure that we don't forget ourselves and use ourselves in the important work we're doing. You know, as SBLs, we, we have uh, quite a privileged role within, um, within school, within the education sector. And it's, uh, I would say, you know, it's, let's let's encourage that openness to to talk about mental health, you know, within our schools, within our communities, uh, because you know now more than ever is a time where you know SBLs are going to be are going to be required for this, uh, you know, because there are a lot of people who who need that support and that signposting, and we're in quite a you know a, a, um, a unique position where we can offer that uh, that level of you know adv- advice support steering signposting call it whatever you want but i think there's certainly a role for sbls to play within um increasing you know well-being within um w- you know within our communities and i've just listened to you then summarize everything that we've discussed we have covered so much and i've just looked at how long we've been talking for so i literally think the show notes are going to be the longest they've ever been with all the signposts that we're going to have for school <laughs> business leaders Thank you so much, guys, for joining me. Food for thought, I think, for everybody. I think I'm going to go away, actually, and think about some of the things we've spoken about today. So I've really appreciated it. No, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. If you'd like to continue the conversation about anything you've heard in today's or last week's episode, you can find all of our contact details in the show notes on my website at www.ljbusinessofeducation.co.uk. Also, make sure you check out the Able Ed website at www.abled.org. That's A-B-B-L-E-D. We'd love to hear from you, so do tag us on social media and let us know what you think of the episode. Remember, this show is available in all of the podcast directories. Just make sure you hit the subscribe button in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening to this podcast on an Apple device and you like what you've heard, it would be great if you could rate and review the show as it makes it easier for others to find it. You can rate and review the show by clicking on the show in the Apple Podcast app, scrolling to the bottom and either tapping the stars to rate and or selecting write a review. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.